0: You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring.
1: Stars
0: could shine between the
1: lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see
2: Welcome to Express Yourself.
3: You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. And that quote is from Abraham Lincoln. And one more little quote for us. uh, When all the routines and details and the human bores get on our nerves, we just yearn to go away from here to somewhere else. To go fishing is a sound, a valid and an accepted reason for an escape. It requires no explanation. And that quote is from former President Herbert Hoover there. And so, two little nice contrasting quotes about escape. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jovan Hundle, and today's theme is The Gift of Escape. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy as well as positive message media. Be the Star, U R desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Please remember to donate today at, again, www.bethestarur.org, and you can even donate through the PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Uh, Today, we will be beginning with a chapter from the forthcoming book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. This chapter, entitled The Gift of Escape, is written by one of Be the Star You Are's very own, Malika Demings. Uh, Malika Demings was born and raised in a very rough environment in San Francisco. She witnessed terrible losses of friends and sought an opportunity to escape the tragedies to create a better life. As part of the top 15% of our sophomore class, Malika was selected to be a part of the Golden Key International Honor Society graduating program with a degree in business administration plus options in marketing management and public relations slash advertising from CSU East Bay, California State University. She also was awarded the Outstanding Personal Achievement Award at the Black Graduation Ceremony. Malika is a prized volunteer with Be the Star You Are and continues to soar from here. Sadly, she was not able to appear on the show today, but her chapter will be read in her stead. And with that, let's jump right into the chapter. The Gift of Escape by Malika Demings. While in high school, one of the books that influenced me most was called Sula by Toni Morrison. The events in the book portrayed a place in a community named The Bottom which represented poverty, much like the neighborhood in which I was raised. Where I lived, many individuals were affected by violence, robberies, poverty, and high homicide rates. Losing close friends to gangs, drug addiction, and murder was traumatizing. Who would want to remain in an area where more than 50% of African-American youth are deprived of their education, while being drawn to negative situations. Reading Sula made me want to escape the status quo of my community. I knew I could rise higher. Unwilling to reside in a tumultuous community for a lifetime like the characters in Sula, I was determined to move away from the turbulent environment I called home. I envisioned myself obtaining a college degree, traveling the world, experiencing a different environment, and as a future businesswoman, empowering well income communities. Although I am not ashamed of where I come from, I adamantly refuse to live and raise my future children in such a negative and detrimental environment. While plotting my great escape, I understood that there would be numerous barriers to overcome. These included furthering my education after high school, broadening my decision to travel the world, and fulfilling dreams that many found insurmountable. I was determined to achieve my goals. Being the first in my family to successfully make it out of a low-income community was my first step of achievement. I matriculated to California State University East Bay with a new mindset and a new community and a fresh start on life. Several influential people inspired my dream to help youth that live in underserved communities. I have big plans. I will build a healthy community by creating a magazine that will acknowledge youth who have suffered in impoverished conditions yet successfully overcame their obstacles by attending college. In order to achieve my goals, I have to first personally develop myself by joining programs that will help me grow professionally. I'm working to improve my public speaking skills. I will step out of my comfort zone by challenging myself to cultivate new experiences. My confidence was greatly lacking during my teenage years, but with diligent work, each day I am more self-assured and hopefully I can use this new strength to inspire peers. Due to lack of funds and access to programs in high school, I was unable to experience a black college tour. However, while attending California State University East Bay, I was fortunate to participate in the National Student Exchange Program, where I attended Alabama State University during the fall of 2012, North Carolina Central University in 2013, and through an international student exchange the summer of 2014 in Milan, Italy, where I met with students from Greece, Germany, Brazil, Mexico, and Australia. With these travels, I flourished not only academically, but professionally through my association with students from various clubs and organizations. I learned how to engage with my peers in a personal manner in order to turn weaknesses into strengths while developing a sense of optimism about the future. Through the National Student Exchange Program and the International Student Exchange Program, I progressed into an individual who embraces a community with the ability to adapt to diversified environments wherever I go. Although there were many positive cultural and academic aspects, I also witnessed the same disenfranchisement of the African-American communities in the American South and in Europe, which I witnessed often in the San Francisco Bay Area. I want my life to be filled with major accomplishments. I want to actively pursue my dreams, not only speak about the things I dream of doing. Though my younger self was hopeful, she was also fearful. With these amazing opportunities afforded by these programs, I will not live a life of regrets. California State University, East Bay, encouraged me to learn, grow, and aspire. I proudly represent a dynamic individual, a resourceful student. My next goal is to attend graduate school. I dreamed, I planned, I achieved. Most of all, I have escaped. And in addition to this chapter, Malika has also included a short little exercise, which she titled Escape Your Limitations. Follow your dreams by creating a plan, then conquer the world. Here's a roadmap. Number one, dream the dream. Number two, write the plan. Number three, save your money. Number four, network and engage with others who will help you on your quest. Uh, Next, believe you will achieve. And six, you can escape. And one little quote here by Ana Eastonin: When ordinary life shackles me, I escape one way or another. No more walls. Wow, I absolutely love this chapter of The Gift of Escape by Malika. You know, it was really awesome because when we think of the word escape, you know, that just connotes or denotes leaving to us. However, in this chapter, Malika was talking about leaving, but then also coming back. So, although there's not many opportunities afforded to her within the environment she's known all her life, she's planning to escape then and come back after being afforded with all these opportunities and then work hard at home to make sure those opportunities will be spread to everyone there. You know, that's a really fascinating and altruistic way to go about life you know she's not when she says that she wants to be a success being a success for her is helping others be their own successes and so I think that's a wonderful outlook on life and I applaud Malika for everything that she's doing and so I liked how this concept of escape that she was pushing forward was not only, you know, tangible benefits, it was also just bettering yourself as a whole. So she's talking about education here, going and experiencing all these places, Milan, Italy, uh, other universities in Alabama, North Carolina. And so she's bettering herself at these places as a sort of escape, you know, from the normal environments we're so shielded in. And from there, she's going on and taking those skills that she learned, bettering herself, and then using it to create, you know, these tangible benefits. Um, and so something else that I found really interesting in Malika's chapter was that this escape of hers, you know, it came after hard work. So she obviously had a very turbulent childhood, very turbulent teenage years, but she didn't just run away with her eyes always facing forward. No, she worked hard where she was. She got to a new place. She worked hard where she was then, and she's been continuing to work hard, and then eventually she wants to go back and to ensure that other people work hard and then that she can work hard in her community to make things better for other children in the years to come. And so, also another thing that this chapter brought up was that, you know there's different forms of escape so it's her escape it was her escape to go to college and to later obviously come back and help her community but other forms of escape you know they might come in all different shapes and sizes but none of them are necessarily better than the other so she wants to so she went to different universities and different programs But to another person, you know, this might not necessarily be their version of escape. They might want to go to a vocational program where they learn some professional skill and they want to come back to their community like she's proposing and maybe start a new business or something there. So there's a lot of different forms of escape. And I like how, you know, this whole concept of escape, Malika definitely provided all sorts of food for thought on what escape actually is, the different forms of escape and all that sort of thing. And so I want to thank Malika for such a wonderful chapter about the gift of escape. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be the Star UR charity that brings you this program. We have lots of fun events coming up, so be sure to also check out www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog there. A shout out of gratitude to Michael Verbury Construction, who is actually sponsoring our booth at the Moraga Fair. And in addition, Be The Star You Are founder and Express Yourself producer Cynthia Bryan has just authored a brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's now available at www.cynthiabryan.com online-store, and 25% of the proceeds from this book will actually benefit Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself, the program you're listening to right now. Uh, be sure to also watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com/ be star you are. I'm Jovan Hundle, and make sure to keep listening as we discuss the Gift of Escape.
0: We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
3: I'm Jovan Hundle, and you're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, which is brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. Today's show is centered all around the gift of escape. And on the show with us today for this segment is an incredible guest, author Jay Finn Wake. As a longtime freelance writer, Jay Finn Wake has written hundreds of feature articles for regional magazines and newspapers, as well as essays in the Cup of Comfort series, written under the name Jennifer Finn Wake. She has always been drawn to water. As a child, she often pretended to be a mermaid in her neighbor's swimming pool, swimming with legs glued together and wishing she could develop the ability to breathe underwater. As a young woman, she swam with seals in the Sea of Cortez and snorkeled with sea turtles and schools of fish off the coast of Hawaii, always in constant wonder of the underwater world around her and the creatures that live there. She is currently the editor of a weekly newspaper and lives with her husband and two teenage sons in the San Francisco Bay Area. She has recently completed her first novel, Cry of the Seals, which is all about communicating with our friends under the sea and how that would change our lives. Uh, We are extremely excited to have her here today and are looking forward to learning more about her work. Hi, Finn. Hi. Hi, Joven. uh, We're really happy to have you on the show today. And so I wanted to just jump right in and ask, so where did the idea for Cry of the Seals come from?
0: Well, like you said, I've always been drawn to the ocean and um, I just thought it would be fantastic to have a character who could communicate with marine life. And so that made me think, well, how how would you have a character that had that ability? And I thought of, I, I've always wanted to write a novel centered on science. And so there's been so many advances in genetic engineering I thought a mutation of some kind that would allow the main character Noah to communicate with marine life and and experience this underwater world would be the catalyst
3: for a, a great story. Yeah, I love that, you know, you put an emphasis on being scientifically, scientifically accurate, while at the same time, you know, writing a great story. And <laughs> so... Um, you know, some of my favorite things I've done that, you know, like Jurassic Park, which, you know, might not be completely realistic, but, you know, it <laughs> followed science conventions, there's, you know, the Christopher Nolan movie Interstellar a few years back, that extensive research into making sure that everything was scientifically accurate. I love when authors, creators, all these sorts of artists, you know, go, kind of go out of their way to not only make such a compelling story, but also make sure that, you know, it's accurate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am. I was doing a lot of research on the new CRISPR Cas nine genetic engineering te- editing technology, and there's been so many advances um, with genetic engineering. I don't profess to be a genetic engineer by any means, um, but I did a lot of research and liked the idea of springboarding something. It is science fiction. Bottom line. Cry of the Seals is not a textbook of genetic engineering, if anyone (laughs) was interested in looking at that. Um, But I thought having some idea based in in science and then springboarding that into something wilder than the imagination
3: was a good idea. I think it's a great idea. You know, a funny story that I remember. So my mom's favorite movie is Titanic. And so I read somewhere that James Cameron originally just wanted to explore the wreck of the Titanic and wait and then use the excuse to the movie studio that he wanted to make a movie out of it and eventually of course did but thing there. and so I wanted to ask you then so what sort of research did you do about CRISPR and different types of mammals at the marine lab?
0: Well with the marine lab I actually have a my nephew was a docent at the Seymour Long Marine Lab in Santa Cruz, and so and he went to UC Santa Cruz in marine biology. So I sent him the manuscript, and um, he offered lots of suggestions about different ways that sea lions and seals are are unique, and how they might move across the landscape. And um, one might undulate. One has flippers that invert. And he gave me all the ins and outs of. Of differentiation between the the mammals. Um, I have visited tons of aquariums and ba- behind-the-scenes um, tours at Monterey Bay Aquarium, and I, w- I would just take copious notes and look for anything that would add to the um, the senses when you're writing about how it feels the the temperature or the the sights, the smells the gurglings um and and try and bring that reality into the book as I, I wrote about the different marine labs and and
3: those elements. Yeah, for sure. As somebody who loves visiting Monterey Bay Aquarium especially, <laughs> um I think it's like just kind of being in that environment and like noticing all the different minute details. In addition to all, you know, the big scientific details, I'm sure it would play a huge role in helping you develop this book.
0: Yeah, there there was a lot. Once I started writing the book, any time I had an opportunity to, I would obviously take much more opportunities to visit these types of, of locations and, and uh I wasn't very much fun to be around because I was just note taking the entire time <laughs> and and observing, and um, it was it was quite a different experience than just enjoying the the sea life. <laughs> um, and then there's there's so much available on with uh, scientific journals and um, and articles about different genetic and engineering uh, advancements that, yeah, yeah. you know, the world is our oyster. We can <laughs> find out pretty much anything these days.
3: It's true. Um, so I wanted to ask you then, so why did you want to write specifically a young adult book for your debut novel?
0: Because I I really love reading young adult novels and <laughs> some of my, like you said, Jurassic Park, um, that's kind of a, a broad swath, not necessarily young adult, but I, I just became... Um, a young adult book junkie, I guess. Uh, Michael Grant's Gone series was um, something I really got into. The Hunger Games and Lisa McCann's Wake trilogy, where this the main protagonist can alter reality through her dreams, and they, they're just the. The books I was re- I was reading were somewhat dystopian, but they were fast-paced action adventures, and and they're just fun. I thought I want to do that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and so, how did your writing process, you know, then kind of differ? So, writing specifically, you know, like a young adult book as opposed to any other genres.
0: Well, I think when you you just I don't think it's much different. Um, if you want to write compelling characters. You're going to want to do that, no matter what type of genre, genre you're writing about. I, I, and that's really what I wanted to do was write a book that had compelling characters that people got sucked into, and they truly believed they were dealing with all these unique issues and had their own vulnerabilities, and and transitioned over the course of the, um, of the of the book. Um, so, as far as looking at writing a young adult novel, I I, I just kind of tried to emulate what my favorite authors were writing about and how they wrote. It may, might be a little more, um, maybe not as literary, uh, flowy <laughs> writing. Might be a little more um, succinct in my writing oh, and yeah. and a little punchier. And that was that was my. I hope, but I, w- I was just reading nonstop young adult <laughs> while I was writing, and, and that seemed to help me uh, channel it.
3: Yeah, and so out of curiosity, then, so the two main characters in your book are both teenagers. So you have Noah and Taylor, and then mm-hmm. you also have two teenage sons. So did they influence you in any, way, in any way while trying to write about these characters and trying to develop them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you pull from your own experiences. And I was looking at different things that my sons were going through, things that they enjoyed. They're both um, really into marine life and that, that helped a lot. Uh, And then just the, the day-to-day things they're dealing with uh, in school or dealing with um, bullying or insecurities or, um, how they how they transition from not knowing how to deal with certain things and and showing showing me how they're growing. I'm watching them grow into men. And that has really helped um, to when I was developing Noah Noah's character, I really wanted to show how he develops from someone who's insecure, um, about his deformity. And moving through this whole passage of becoming very comfortable in his skin. And so it's not as much writing about my sons as it is writing about who I'd want them to read about and get inspiration from,
3: if that yes. makes sense. Yeah, it's good to hear. So, you know, kind of influences and yeah. how maybe the, you want... Yeah, go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. The Taylor character, however... Um, I drew a lot of that character from my sister who's a bit wacky and <laughs> I'm sure she's going to love that. I just said that, but she, um, she's very dynamic, energetic, full of life. And so you draw, draw these pieces of these characters from, from people, you know, and um, so knowing growing up with my sister was quite a a fun experience and she kept me on my toes. So there's a little bit of uh, going back to who she and I
3: were (laughs) as teens as well. Yeah, so thank you so much, Finn, for an incredible conversation. I loved getting some insight into your writing process and about your book itself. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment, but we will be continuing our conversation in the next portion of the show. Audience, make sure to learn more about Finn and her work at her website, jfinwake.com, spelled J-F-I-N-N-W-A-K-E, and her Twitter, where her handle is also at jfinnwake. Her book, Cry of the Seals, is now available at Amazon and other major retailers. Also, visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. And additionally, if you are a fan of baseball and live in Northern California, Be the Story You Are has been chosen as a nonprofit of the night for the June 15th baseball game between the Oakland A's and the Los Angeles Angels. Tickets are tax-deductible and discounted to only $32 for second-tier field seats. Please visit our charity site at bethestaru.org/events to buy your tickets today. We're also selling raffle tickets for $5 each for two individuals to win a field visit to watch batting practice and meet the players on a different day. And two lucky pairs will each win this awesome opportunity. Uh, Once again, head on over to bethestaru.org/events for more information. I'm Jovan Hundle, and stay right here with us as we continue our discussion on the Gift of Escape.
1: On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at be the staruradio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
3: I'm Jovan Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we are continuing our hour on the gift of escape. Back with us on the show is author Jay Finn Wake of the new book Cry of the Seals. For many, communicating with marine life would be a dream come true. Scientific research has recently been conducted on how dolphins speak to one another, and the idea of possibly communicating with these marine mammals is transformative. Storytellers have approached this notion for decades through the creation of fictional characters like Aquaman or the throwback TV show Flipper. A recent news report about an orca who could mimic the word hello quickly became national news. As a child, author Jason Wake dreamed of living in the ocean. She has snorkeled with sea turtles and schools of fish off the coast of Hawaii and has even swam with the seals in the Sea of Cortez, enthralled by the fluid motions and curiosity of the seals flipping around her in the water. She has always been in awe of the ocean's majesty and the creatures that live there. She explores this idea of how communicating with marine life could alter our existence in her debut novel, Cry of the Seals. The book follows Noah, who has lived his life with webbed fingers and has a crushing insecurity about his outward appearance. On his 15th birthday, he begins to hear voices guiding him to save a pair of whales stuck in a river north of the California border. He feels compelled to help but has no idea how to do it, and why he's the only one being asked. When mutilated seals begin to wash ashore in his hometown on the coast of California, he and his friend Taylor set out to find answers at the local marine lab. While exploring there, they uncover a secret gene editing project designed to deal with climate change and rising sea levels by altering the course of evolution, and of their involvement in it all. They soon come face to face with the driving force behind it, and find themselves in a fight for their lives. And with that fascinating summary, let's welcome Finn back on the show. Hi, Finn. Hi, Joven. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. It's a very interesting novel. And so I wanted to ask, um, so we were talking a little in the last segment about, you know, your writing process, where your influences came from, when you, how you studied for this novel. And so I wanted to ask, how long exactly did it take you to develop this novel?
0: It's uh, over the course of a couple of years developing the novel versus writing it and then rewriting it. <laughs> um, so I did send it out to an editor who critiqued it, uh, sent a, a report back that involved changes, deleting some characters, which takes a little time to rewrite. But <laughs> I think that's, that's one thing about um, writing a novel that many people might not understand is that it's the revision that's really the... The times suck, and that you do tend to um, spend a lot of time rewriting and honing it, and cutting out things and adding things, and until it's it's finally at the stage where you think it's it's ready for publication. Yeah, so, so it took it took several years. It took um, f- to create the idea didn't take very long at all. Um, that might have taken just. A couple months to flesh out all where I wanted to go, and then as I wrote it, um, new things were added, new new shifts and changes. The characters begin to come alive, and so Cry of the Seals kind of took on its life, the life of its own, and began writing itself in some respects. I was just the <laughs> the person at the typewriter, or at the not, not a typewriter, you know what I mean. <laughs> A keyboard.
3: (laughs) And and speaking of, you know, your characters, so what did you like most about these characters while writing?
0: What I liked most is um, the vulnerability that Noah showed and the adventuresome quality of Taylor who was able willing to try anything and didn't care if she got into trouble and that it's that the way that these two main characters work together very closely um kind of like a team where they they're in a dance and Noah is more of a um not as strong as Taylor at the beginning and then you see him morph into something much more strong and and uh and take charge of this relationship and and have the two of them grow together um, and the 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 antagonist the bad guy um, Jake he uh, I thought I really liked writing a character that had this huge massive ego and and more someone who wasn't horribly bad initially and maybe just became misguided in his effort to um, alter the course of human evolution to to because of what he saw with climate change.
3: Wow, yeah, that sort of whole character development, these character backstories, it's obvious that so much thought and passion went into writing this book, and I just love hearing about it. huh. <laughs> um, and I wanted to ask you then, so when you were writing this book and when you are trying to get it published, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced as an author?
0: The biggest challenges for me um, were getting constructive criticism from editors or fellow writers and applying it um, mm. and knowing how to, w- what feedback to take and what feedback didn't gel and trusting your gut and um, at the same time going back to them and and really taking a step back from your words I think a lot of new authors especially um, approach their novel like this is awesome (laughs) you every word is beautiful and you don't want to cut anything and I ended up slashing tens of thousands of words and a couple characters and adding a character back in and um and morphing things and looking at how the story um how the characters push the story forward and it it is a hundred percent different than how the initial manuscript started and it's um it's thanks to Editors like uh, Wendy Takanaga and uh, my writer friends and, and all the input I got. So, but that was a big challenge, I think, was um, stepping, putting my ego aside and, and going to work.
3: Yeah, I love how, it's, it's interesting to see then, like, I'm sure if you look back at your first drafts, how this whole writing evolved and... Just kind of seeing how it got better, maybe things that, you know, you desperately didn't want to cut out. Um, In my English class this year, actually, we have this thing called author's chair that my teacher loves doing, where as soon as we'll write an essay or any sort of writing, um, we can volunteer for author's chair. So we'll go up in the center of the classroom, we'll read our essay or story or whatever to the class, and then it's divided up into three parts. So first, the rest of the class will ask questions about it then we'll um, get suggestions from them. And then finally, actually, sorry, did the order wrong. The first thing that they do is give you compliments, so to say what they liked about it. The next oh, thing nice. that they do is ask questions. And then the third thing is um, give you suggestions and where to put stuff around. And it's a really awesome little experience then as a writer because you're seeing not only how your work's being seen through your own lenses, but also other people's lenses. So it provides an yeah. awesome way to edit your own stuff.
0: Yeah, so that's wanted, fantastic.
3: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I wanted to ask you then, um, so what advice would you give to burgeoning authors around the world?
0: I would say to just write, write every day um, and and be diligent about that, where you sit down and you you carve out a certain amount of time.
3: Yeah, I feel like sometimes, you know, or if we get past that initial barrier of like not wanting to write or not making the time, taking the time out of the day for it, I feel like once we get past that initial barrier, you know, then our creative juices will start flowing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so many people wait to be inspired. And oftentimes, once you're, you start the work,
3: the inspiration comes. And especially how, since, you know, this book, it came from something uh, like the marine ecosystem that you've always been fascinated with. So you you already had, you know, kind of the building blocks there. And I'm sure other writers around the world have it too, these things that they're interested in and that they could, could, would, and would love to write about.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, I was, I made up how marine mammals talk to one another and talk to Noah in this book and, you um, Figuring that out was a challenge, for sure. But it uh, everything was while writing this, while writing *Cry of the Seals*, I kept thinking of um, there were roadblocks, and then I'd I'd go to sleep, and the answer would come to me in the morning. Or and if I continued day after day working on it, then nothing got disjointed and everything flowed together. So as a writer, I would think that um, that would be my recommendation for people to just keep at it every day, just a little chunk of time. (laughs)
3: And so I wanted to actually ask you about something similar to that so when you were figuring out how Noah would communicate with these seals so traditionally before you know how this is your first novel you've been editing a newspaper you've been writing different essays and that sort of thing so how did this whole new aspect of world building that you have to build your own world add in all these new little things into your story how exactly did your writing process then change?
0: Um, well, obviously, it's not uh, strict journalism. Um, so, you you pull in, you have to go with your gut on, on ideas uh, and how it works, it looks on a printed page. So, for instance, with communicating, with NOAA communicating with the marine life, I didn't want it to be the seal says hi, you know, and Noah says, "How are you, Mr. Seal?" I didn't. I thought that would be really boring, and, and I so I thought maybe they'd communicate more telepathically with images and sound. And I thought how music um, can make us so. Uh, can create an emotional effect. And I thought if we had these marine mammals communicating with their emotions, where all these images could flood and a little bit of sound and maybe a couple words, but the entire idea of what emotion they're trying to send and what message they're sending that way would work better. So I, I think approaching writing um, a novel, especially a science fiction action-adventure type of novel like Cry of the Seals where you just you want to push the envelope a little bit. And that's a lot more fun than writing a press release or... <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, so thank you so much, Finn. This has been an amazing conversation, getting insight into your influences on writing the novel, your process writing the novel, and what you have to say to other authors out there. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. Audience, make sure to learn more about Finn and her work at her website, jfenwake.com and her Twitter, where her handle is @jfenwake. Her book, Cry of the Seals, is now available at Amazon and other major retailers. And let's keep on hoping that we ourselves can communicate with sea creatures one day. <laughs> uh, during the break, uh, be sure to also check out our 501c3 literacy and positive me- message media charity at bethestarur.org and visit www.express2selfteenradio.com for more information about our show. I'm Jovan Hundle, and when we come back, we'll be returning to our discussion on The Gift of Escape.
1: We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
3: I'm Jovan Hondo on Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about the gift of escape. We're finishing off today's show with another edition of my segment here, World Watch. And so, for the past few years, how to aid Syrian refugees has been a very hot topic worldwide. The Syrian Civil War began in 2011, and at the time, it was just one of many regional protests against longtime dictators during the Arab Spring. However, as the years have gone by, and the... Uh, protests in Egypt, Libya, Yemen, Tunisia, etc., have all finished. Although there's still unrest there, uh, the Syrian civil war, in particular, has been especially devastating. It has killed hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians, and you know this is akin to the American Civil War. However, the main difference is that millions upon millions of people have been displaced from their longtime homes in Syria. In addition, Syria is much smaller in size than the United States. That means that if all these millions of people want to ensure the safety of their families, they only have one real choice. They have to leave the country. And so internationally, countries that have been willing or unwilling to take these Syrian refugees and have faced um, long domestic political arguments and debates on whether they should, and if so, how many should they take in? So starting off with Europe, Ah, uh, the biggest acceptor of Syrian refugees in Europe is Germany. So Germany has accepted uh, tens of thousands of Syrian refugees under their Chancellor Angela Merkel, who was recently re-elected just last year. So Angela Merkel is the head of a party that is center-right in the political scale in Germany. So even though they're the more conservative side of the political spectrum there in Germany, they've been extremely welcoming of Syrian refugees and the center-left party, which you defeated in the last election, would also have been very welcome to Syrian refugees. However, the same situation is not true in other European countries. So in a lot of Central European and Eastern European countries, so we're talking about the smaller countries, the ones that you can drive through multiple of them in just a day, um, these countries have all signed or been parties to different international or maybe just pan European agreements to accept refugees. However, some of these countries have actually flat out refused to accept any of them. So, from physically stopping Syrian refugees from coming into the border or just flatly refusing to take any more of these refugees, uh, some of these smaller countries in Central and Eastern Europe have been sort of putting their foot down and saying that. We're not going to be accepting any more Syrian refugees. However, in Western and Northern European countries, you, this situation is again exactly the opposite. So we see uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, all these Scandinavian countries and Nordic countries, and they've been extremely welcoming to Syrian refugees. The United Kingdom is a very interesting one. So it has been past few years very generous with Syrian refugees. Maybe not has not been accepting as many as Germany and some of these other larger countries, but the United Kingdom has been accepting more than their fair share. However, after Brexit and after the Conservative Party managed to hold on to the seeds of power after the 2017 general election, uh, the United Kingdom seems to be a little bit less welcoming now with the Syrian refugees. And around about countries near and bordering Syria itself, so Greece and Turkey, these countries are the ones that have been facing the most upheaval regarding Syrian refugees. So back a few years ago when a picture a devastating picture made the rounds about a three year old Syrian boy who while trying to cross the Mediterranean Sea, his body he died and his body washed up on a beach. This picture made the rounds all over Greece, all over the rest of the world, and was very influential in citizens trying to convince their politicians to accept more refugees. So that picture, in Greece especially, was a huge catalyst for accepting more refugees. And also, if we look towards countries outside of Europe, so halfway across the world from Syria, Australia has accepted approximately 12,000 of these Syrian refugees and the United States has accepted thousands as well. However, after the 2016 election and Donald Trump's taking of the presidency of the United States, that number seems to have sharply declined. So 2017 itself, even though that was Trump's first year in office, it did accept thousands of refugees. However, in 2018 now, so far in from January to April, we've only accepted 11 of these refugees. And by the same point back in 2016, we had accepted almost 800 according to NPR. So we can definitely see that with the new administration going from Democrat to Republican, uh, the United States has become less friendly to these Syrian refugees. And we'll have to see in these 2018 midterm, midterm elections, how Congress shapes up, whether the Democrats can take back control of the two houses of Congress, whether Republicans can hold on to any of them. And so we'll be seeing potentially new changes in our federal platform and policies regarding Syrian refugees after these 2018 elections. Um, And so just, you know, a quick little blurb about the Syrian civil war itself, you know, it's sad that it's kind of turned into a proxy war by different powers all abroad. So you have Russia and Iran who are supporting uh, the Syrian dictator, al-Assad, in Syria. And it's sort of shaping up as a proxy state for them. So Russia has had a base in Syria, a very important base in Syria, since the time of the Soviet Union. So they originally struck an alliance with Syria just because they wanted a base, that, a naval base, that wouldn't freeze over over the winter. So this naval base has been especially... Um, especially important for Russia ever since Soviet Union, and they don't want to lose control of that. And then you have Iran, who's stepping in in Syria to make sure that the dictator does not lose control just because they want another Shia Muslim ally in the region. And then on the other side, you know, you have the United States, you have NATO, you have different countries in the EU and other Western nations supporting the rebels. And then you have a third force of ISIS trying to win back some of the land it's lost in the past year or two in Syria, as well as Iraq. So it is kind of sad that, you know, the Syrian civil war, it originally started out as a way of ousting this longtime dictator and implementing democratic reform. However, with all these other countries using the conflict as a proxy war, with them trying to protect their own interests there, it's sad that the interests of the Syrian people are being forgotten. So we have millions of them being displaced, and as I said earlier, their only real hope for safety is trying to win asylum in another country, which the chances are very low, seeing as there are millions of people applying for these refugee spots. And so, you know, other different gift of escape topics for today's show, you know, There are definitely other refugees outside of the Syrian civil war. So as I stated earlier, the Syrian civil war in past years has been especially devastating. But the Somali civil war, for instance, has been going on for over 25 years. We have refugees from there. Uh, Just last year, I remember, at my school, Chowak High School, we had a couple different refugees come over, including... uh, this one boy from Afghanistan, so not even Syria, this one boy from Afghanistan who came in and has been a the community has embraced him, he's been involved in all sorts of activities, and it's been really great to see. Um, we've also seen uh different Ukrainian refugees from the Ukrainian Civil War, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see whether the United States and other countries become more welcoming to these refugees and hopefully if the conflict can come to an end soon. And so, anyway, I just wanted to thank Malika Demings for her excellent chapter in segment one, as well as our guest, J. Finn Wake, author of the new book, Cry of the Seals, which is available now in segments two and three. I think they were absolutely fantastic as part of our Gift of Escape show. However, with that, it is sadly time to say farewell. We do give our thanks to Star Style Productions, our amazing producer, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our awesome voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an honor global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. This is Jovan Hundle, and until next week, remember, be kind, find your escape, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself.